Would you just bow your heads for a moment? Maybe just close your eyes. Just take a minute to take a deep breath. And perhaps I can invite you to breathe and pray this sentence. Abba, I belong to you. Abba, we belong to you. We are your children and we are alive in Christ. Thanks be to God. Amen. Good to see your beautiful faces. I'm glad to be here. I hope you're glad to be here this evening. Uh, Everyone doing okay? We're doing well? Good, good. Hey, so open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2. We're back locked in into our series in Ephesians, which is all about life in Christ. Paul gives us some beautiful, big picture, crazy ideas and concepts and spiritual realities about life in Christ, but also the letter takes on really a ground level view toward the end of it also. It's not just for big, beautiful views of the mountaintop, it's also very much for the path down the mountain in front of us. It's very practical too. But it's all about life in Christ. So in chapter one, Paul answers the question, so how are we in Christ? How are we blessed in Christ? You recall it's the longest sentence in the New Testament that he opens the letter with, and it's all about how are we blessed in Christ. Then the section after the one we're gonna look at tonight, he answers the question, well, who? Is blessed in Christ. So if he starts the letter, says, How are we blessed in Christ? Soon he'll answer the question of who is blessed in Christ. Tonight, the section we look at, Ephesians 2, verses 1 to 10, answers the question, How did we all get there? How did we all wind up in Christ? And the short answer, Spoiler alert, this is the good news. We wound up in Christ by God's grace through faith. Does that phrase sound familiar? Grace through faith? It's an incredible statement. And it comes from this section which is really the clearest statement in all of Paul's letters, in all of the New Testament, about salvation, about grace, and the relationship to faith and works and all these buzzwords from the guys in the Reformation. But grace through faith is the short answer of how we all ended up in Christ. This is also this section, not only the clearest picture of our life or how we wound up saved, this is also the first section that introduces something that Paul's gonna do a lot in this letter. It's the first of five then-now sections, a contrasting section. This is how you were, but now. This is how things were, but now. This is what Paul is going to do a lot of. Later on, when we get into the brass tacks or the ground level stuff of life in Christ, he says, you used to do this, this, and this, but now Christ has called you to do this, this, and this. It's a contrasting section. This is the first one. So here's the bad news. What he's going to contrast, the then is that we were all dead, D-E-A-double-D, dead, super dead. We're totally dead. That's bad news. 
But the good news is he's going to contrast that and says, now we're alive. But he doesn't stop there. He goes on to say, now that we're alive, so what? That's where we're headed tonight. So let's look then at Ephesians 2, verses 1 to 3. You were dead through the trespasses and sins in which you once lived. So he introduces the bad news. He introduces the then statement. Maybe your Bible says you were dead in trespasses and sins. Well, you know what? It's both. You're dead in sins. You're dead through sins. But the bottom line is you're dead. You're walking, talking, breathing, but you're dead. This is horrible news. And not only are we dead, we see that we're following. Tonight we're reading in the NRSV, the New Revised Standard Version, and he's going to use this word following three times in this first chunk of bad news. So we're dead, but we're walking, talking, living, breathing. So what are we doing if we're dead? Well, number one, he says, following the course of this world. You see that? Number two, following the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work among those who are disobedient. All of us once lived among them in the, what, passions of our flesh, which introduces the third thing we're following, as if the bad news couldn't get better. The third thing is we are following the desires of flesh and senses. So we're dead, but we're alive, breathing, eating. And the reality is we didn't know we were dead. We're the zombies walking around, walking, talking, acting, and have no concept of the fact that we're dead. Well, what does this dead mean? Well, really, what Paul's after is you're alienated from life with God. You're dead. We're spiritually dead. We're alienated from life with God. You see, when Jesus came, he said things like, I'm offering you life, abundant life. And elsewhere in our New Testament, Paul will write that the wages of sin is what? Death. So look at the top of Ephesians 2. We just read it. Not only were you dead, but you're dead, what? In and through trespasses and sins. We're zombies. We're walking, talking, breathing, but we were born with a death certificate, alienated from life with God. I told you it was bad news, but I also said the bad news gets better. What are these things we're following? First, you see the course of this world. The age of this world is really how it reads there. And so we're following the course of this world. We're following the ruler of the power of the air, which is the Satan. He doesn't name him. The devil, the spirit that is now at work among those who are disobedient. And then thirdly, we're following what? Our flesh. As if it wasn't bad enough that we're following the way of the world, we're following unknowingly the Satan, there's also this inner reality that is pulling us away, dead, alienated from life with God. How many of you have been to Hurricane Harbor? 
or if you grew up in Garland, wet and wild, that tragically, Bobby, that fellow season pass holder, bruh, rock and roll, man. Hurricane Harbor in Wet and Wild, which tragically is now a CarMax for the last 20 years. For those of you who don't know, it's a water park. And for those of you who had the good sense not to go to a public water park, let me explain to you the Lazy River. How many of you have been in the Lazy River? So you know what I'm talking about. For the people with the good sense not to go to the Lazy River, the Lazy River is, of course, a stream, a river full of mysteriously, grossly warm water. It's about yay wide, about, you know, this front part of the stage. And what happens is the people get in there because they don't want to do the massive water slides, or they get in there because they don't want to stand in the lines for the massive water slides. Why? Because you're next to all these scantily clad teenagers mugging down. So they don't want to be in the water slides, they don't want to be in the rides, and then they don't want to go to the bathroom. So what do they do? They go to the lazy river. So what is the sensation of the lazy river? You should know where I'm going when I'm talking about following. What happens is you hop into the lazy river and the current gently, so gently, drags you around the water park. You're following the current. It's as if Paul is saying, we've all hopped into the lazy river and it's called the course of this world. And the course of this world that we're following, we don't have to look around and think too hard about what the world looks like. We know that the way of the world, right? That's the phrase we use. The way of the world is one of greed, of violence, of aggression, of sensuality, of passion, of unforgiveness, and a lot of good things mixed in too. Because the thing about the lazy river is, it's good and it's lazy. And it's a sort of pleasant experience if you forget that you're actually in a pea stew, But the way of the world that we're following is alienated from the reign of God, which is all about peace, justice, equality, goodness, beauty, truth. The course of this world, or as Paul says, this age, is something vastly different from God's kingdom. And why is that? Well, the second thing we're told we're following is the ruler of the prince and power of the air the spirit at work in those who are disobedient. The second thing that we're following in our lazy river, the commander of the lazy river is one who is also diametrically opposed to God's way and God's kingdom. And we're born dead through our trespasses and sins, which is just the same way of saying the same thing. We're born dead, we're born with a death certificate, we hop into the lazy river in the way of the world and the ruler of this world unequivocally in the New Testament is Satan. The ruler of this world, First John, he says, this world is in the lap of Satan. We are all listening to the voice of the serpent, not just Adam and Eve. And that's why the world is full of violence, aggression, racism. So then, we're being swept along, and as if these outside forces weren't enough, we're told that there is some inward pull within us. We hear it all the time. Do what feels good. The problem is when six billion people do what feels good, you get the way of the world. 
because we're not all listening to the kind, benevolent, good shepherd. We're listening to this spirit, Paul says, that is now at work among those who are disobedient. The lazy river is warm, nice, and we are headed down unbeknownst to our actual state that we are just a bunch of zombies riding the wave. And if the bad news can get any badder, the reality is dead people, even if they know they are dead, it's as if the lazy river has walls on either side that are 20 feet high. And even if you wanted to, what can a dead person do to make himself or herself alive? This is bad news. Paul just gave us this beautiful Van Halen riffing, shredding sentence of 200 words about all the flowery, beautiful, spiritual blessings we have in Christ. And then he says, starkly, you were dead. And he introduces us into this lazy river that we're following. Well, Paul, this sounds pretty bad. Where are we headed? Well, it gets worse. He says, we're following all these things and we were by nature children of what? Wrath. Boy, this is not a fun word we like to talk about in church. We were by nature objects or children of wrath like everyone else. Where is the lazy river headed? It's filled with zombies. There's no way out. This is bleak. This is sad. This is scary. We're dead. What's going on? Where is this thing headed? It gets worse. We're by nature objects really destined for an encounter with judgment. We don't like to talk about wrath in this church. What we like to talk about is God is love. So let me put that in front of you. God is love. So when we encounter the fact that God is not some capricious, someday he's happy, someday he's sad, someday he's like us, we know that God is, watch, always love. Is God always love? Shake your head. Yes. Does God hate sin? Does God hate that his world is in the tubes and headed for oblivion? Yes, he hates that. That is why we spent all of a couple weeks ago talking about how God is constantly at work, bending the mess back and reconciling the whole world to himself, imploring the world saying, come to me, come to me, come to me. But the sad reality is he's saying it to a bunch of dead people. And when the dead people can't respond, when by God's grace they're not able to say, yes, Lord, what happens is he's grieved because they're headed to an encounter with the God who is love, but the, this God hates sin. And so God who is love is even loving in his wrath. But God is going to deal with sin. And I don't presume to explain it any more than the lazy river doesn't just go in a circle around Hurricane Harbor. The lazy river, like all the evil and junk and mess of this world, the Satan and all of his angels are headed to some kind of oblivion. They're headed to some kind of run-in up against God's wrath. And that's all I want to say about that now. But I want it to sit that this is very, very bad news. Very bad news. Our spiritual state here to summarize is that we are dead in and through our sin. The wages of sin is death. 
And the stream or the lazy river we find ourselves in, unbeknownst to us, is we're swept along the current of darkness and sin. So, it's bad news. What happens then? Let's take a sidebar. Let's take a step away. What happens when you sin as a Christian? Let's fast track. Let's forget verse 4 just for a minute. You who are reading ahead. What happens when we're sinning as Christians? Let's say that we are in Christ, that we are alive, that we're about to read, spoiler alert. What happens when we're sinning? What we're doing is not becoming dead again, okay? If you are in Christ, you are in Christ, okay? Maybe you can let go, but he is not letting go. You are in Christ. What happens when we're sinning is in some way we are participating not in the life that God has for us in his kingdom. We're in some way dipping our toes back into that lazy river and stream of the way of the world. It's as if we're citizens of the United States. We're citizens of God's kingdom. And what happens when we sin is we kind of step out of our country, our kingdom, and we begin to kind of step back into, as they say, when in Rome, we're going to do as the Romans do. But here's the trick, and I just want to say this as a side note. Maybe this is helpful, maybe this isn't. But when we're sinning, I want you to know something. Your citizenship is not revoked from the kingdom of God though you're behaving in a way that is more like the kingdom of darkness. What happens is Paul is unequivocal even in his ministry too. He says, you need to turn from darkness to light because Christ has rescued you from this stream and he's brought you into his kingdom. And it means that we ought to live as citizens of his kingdom. So when we sin, it's not like we're going back but we are in some ways being pulled by that flesh that Paul just said that is still within us. So there are dark forces luring us, pulling us, compelling us downstream away from life with God. This is the way of the world and it is super bad news. Verse four, two of the most beautiful words in the New Testament. But God. What if we just had the first three sentences? But God. What is this God like? Listen and let these words wash over you. But God, who is rich in mercy, out of the great love with which He loved us, watch, don't miss it, even when we were Dead through our trespasses. When did God love you? Even when you were dead. Do you know that I sat at a youth camp and heard someone tell our students at the church I was at previously, you've heard it said, God hates the sin but loves the sinner. I say to you, this guy said, God hates the sin and he hates the sinner. And he opened up his Bible and he read Ephesians chapter 2 verses 1 to 3 and talked all about how we were objects of wrath. 
headed for destruction. And I said, excuse me, in the middle of this dude's talk, read verse 4. But God. Who is this God? This God is rich in mercy. Look at the text. He loved us with great love. He keeps going. His grace saved us. His grace is rich beyond our wildest dreams. He's lavished kindness on us. Even when you were dead, He made us alive. He made us alive together with Christ. And he can't contain himself. He says, by grace you have been saved. And he not only made us alive, God raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. He first introduced the ruler of the power of the air. He first introduced this concept that was familiar to the Ephesian, Asian Christians. They had this thought that there were demons and dark spirits floating in the atmosphere, having their way on this world, ravaging it. And what Paul says here, this is so Paul. This is why I think Paul wrote Ephesians. Because Paul in places like Romans 6 It doesn't just stop with that he saved us. You see, salvation in the Bible is always a deliverance from enemies. Salvation in the Bible is not just, ooh, I get to go to heaven and this is nice. It is the fact that he has rescued you from the clutches of evil. He saved Israel from Egypt, real, actual enemies. So what he did, by grace you've been saved, which we're about to talk about, what he did is this. He not only, what, overcame the obstacle of the fact that we were zombies floating in a pee pool of lazy river, way of the world. He not only, what, made you alive when you were dead, he also raised us up. And this is so crucial because the same power we looked at at the beginning of this letter that raised Jesus from the dead is with you. Hello, you. He's raised Jesus from the dead, but guess what? Even though we're still here living, breathing, and talking, he's also raised us. And this is good news, not just for us, but especially for these Ephesians, when they look out at the way of the world, dominated by enemies they can see, and fearful of the enemies they can't, floating around in the air, he's raised us up above them, because God seated Jesus at the right hand, and he is over all the crap, and he's brought us up with him. But the problem is, when we're still sitting here talking, eating, breathing, just as if we didn't know we were dead, we forget that we're alive. We forget that we're alive. And I don't presume to know what it means that I'm raised with Christ and seated at the right hand of God. But I'll point you to another place in Colossians where he says, since you've been raised with Christ, set your minds up there, not on all the world down here because the lazy river sucks and life with Jesus is awesome even when we're in the lazy river and it sucks, would we set our minds on the fact that we are made alive in Christ. That was such bad news. This is such incredibly good news. We have got to keep it in front of us. We've got to stay awake to this. And we don't just have to stay awake to the fact that we are saved. We've got to stay awake to who has saved us. 
even when we were dead. That is gospel. That's good news. We had no hope. And we see here, by grace we have been saved. And he's raised us. He's enthroned us. And I see Abba, I see the Father, grieving at the broken world, going downstream, headed for destruction and disaster. And I see in Ephesians 2, a Father not ready to get us. I see a Father looking to the horizon for the prodigal son who had everything at his disposal and he squandered it and left, went off the reservation because we were all made in the image of this father but sin came and brought death and that's why we're zombies in the lazy river but God is looking to the horizon but we go and we squander our image, we squander our life and we find ourselves under the reign of darkness And then we're dead broke in the pigsty at the end of the lazy river. We're dead in our sin. And we turn back home and dad's waiting. He's waiting for us. And he's not just waiting for us, he's running to us. Because when we were dead, God had to remove every obstacle to make us alive. And you know what the father says in the prodigal son as I'm just thinking about this? He says it. We read it in Luke in the community Bible experience. What did he say? And he wraps his arm around his son. He said, my son was dead, but now he's alive. And he's alive because he's come back to life with the Father. We've got to keep awake to the fact that we're alive and we're wrapped in the arms of the Father. We are not objects of wrath. We are in Christ. How'd we get there? How'd we get there? By grace through faith. I see us wrapped. I need to, I just skipped over the last little chunk before we get to the grace piece. We're wrapped in God's arms now. Would you read this with me? Can you believe this? He raised us and he placed us. Why did he do it? Verse 7 tells us. So that in the ages to come, remember this age is headed for the tubes, but in all the ages to come, what? He might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Can you imagine for a second and strike the crazy view of heaven that you're going to get wings and a harp and sing all the time? Can you imagine a life eating with Jesus in a place that is probably a lot more like this world than we'd care to think? because God's gonna renew this world. And could you imagine just pulling up a chair next to the Father? What does that even look like? I don't know. But can you imagine him just telling us all the ways he's loved us for all eternity and for all eternity to come? He did this. He rescued us zombies so that in the coming ages he might show you the riches of his immeasurable goodness expressed to us toward Christ Jesus. Can you imagine that? Why aren't you? I'm not saying that as an indictment. Why aren't I? I'll tell you why, because I get so distracted by what I see here that I don't set my mind on the fact that I am alive and loved way more than I could ever imagine. 
God himself is going to spend countless ages telling us all about it. So church, please in the name of Jesus, quit hating yourself. In the name of Jesus, break the chains that I have in my mind and heart telling me I'm worthless because you are worth everything to the Father. And it is going to take him countless ages in eternity to tell you how much you're loved and cared for and accepted. And the reason he did it was because he has so much love he doesn't know what to do with it. He made you alive in his son Jesus, the beloved. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. Here's the trick. This is grace. Write this down, it's on the screen. This is grace. When God owed us nothing, he gave us everything. When God owed you nothing, he gave you everything. God has removed every obstacle, and he did so in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. On the cross of Christ, he defeated sin and death and Satan. God's power raised Jesus from the dead and those of us who by what? Faith put our trust in that Jesus. Some way, somehow, we are dead and raised with Jesus. And if that's the kind of power in Christ and in us, I don't need to fear the powers of this world so much, do I? But by grace you have been saved through faith. There is some activation, even though God has removed every obstacle in this world, there is yet this activation that needs to take place where you scrape whatever you have in the barrel to say, Jesus, you're all I've got. Jesus, you're it. You, I'm putting my whole weight on you. I have nothing else. And we could sit up here and nitpick the theology. I'll tell you, my thought is that God, in his grace, even gives us the first step. If I can use a crude illustration, have y'all seen the movie Hitch? I think in some ways, see, Melissa just like, was like, what is he doing talking about Hitch. There's this sense that God has gone 90. Remember when he's teaching that guy to kiss? And we come 10. I want to be real careful because faith is not a work. But I do think that faith activates this kind of salvation. I don't know what that looks like. Maybe it's God goes 90 and we go 10. But I want to be clear that Paul does say that it's not of your own doing. What he has in mind here is the gift of salvation. You don't earn salvation. God saved us, okay? What did we do with Jesus on the cross? What did we do to raise Jesus? Nada, okay? But there's this sense in which he has opened wide the gates. We sang something about it. He flung open the doors of his heart and he said, whosoever will, come to me. But the Holy Spirit is always initiating work, always initiating salvation. We don't work. God gives us the gift we receive it, okay? And he says that if he's given us a gift and we receive it, well, what does he say? So that no one may boast. 
What kid opens up all the presents on Christmas Eve and says, Mom and Dad, look what I did. I was so good this year. You gave me an Xbox. Look how awesome I am. No, he freaks out and he says, yeah, I got an Xbox. Or what was that YouTube video with the kid with the N64? He, I just lost everybody. You rejoice. You freak out. You don't boast about it. That's why I'm trying to toe that line that says faith is not a work. But Paul will mention works. Here's what he says. Salvation is not a work so no one can boast. But look at verse 10. For we are what he has made us. Created in Christ Jesus. That's the third time he said that phrase. In Christ in this section. For we are what God has made us. Created in Christ Jesus for what? Good works which God prepared beforehand to be our way of life. Here's the deal. We're made alive to give life. But watch this. This may be on the screen too. Here's the relationship to grace and works. Good works don't save us. We are, what does the text say? We are God's work made for good works. They don't save us, but God has worked us. God has created us in Christ Jesus, right? We are God's workmanship is what some of your Bibles say. There is some kind of care and attention and artisanship to this. We're God's workmanship. He not only loves us, he cares enough to make us in Christ Jesus. And we're created God's work in order that we would do good work. So it's not enough to just go around saying, I'm in Christ, I'm in Christ, God has blessed me, this is wonderful. What happens is we find ourselves in a new stream, a new lazy river, it's called God's kingdom, and when we're in Christ, and Christ is growing up in us, we're not pulled by the flesh so much. Our new stream, our new way is we're pulled by the Holy Spirit of God, and we're walking in works. Does your Bible say so that we should walk in them. You know what the very beginning of this section says? When you were dead, you were walking in the way of the world. Does your Bible say that? When you were dead, the bad news was you're carried along, you're following, you're just walking on, just doing good things. Now dead people can do good things. They can love their kids and you know, do good and give to charity. But you're just walking along, alienated from life with God. But now we are God's work in Christ for good work. And it's this sense in which if your Bible says in, uh, like beforehand, he prepared for you beforehand, I don't think it has in mind like that you're a Pac-Man and every dot in front of you is a good work and you're just some puppet that he's inviting you to give to this and to love this person and to love your enemy and bless the one who persecutes you. What is after here is if you were following the way of the world now your way of life your stream in the kingdom of God is that you are doing good work and so it is as if to say every good work that you're doing God has set the path before you and given us so many opportunities every single day to love those who are difficult to love to not return curses for those who curse you, to give radically generously of your time, stuff, money. He's prepared for you every single day opportunities to walk in life 
full life abiding in Jesus. He's given you opportunities every day to say kind words of encouragement. And so it is as if to say, when we are following this stream and walking in this stream, every moment you do one of those, it's as if God says, nailed it. Nailed it. Just like father, like daughter. Nailed it. He's laid this out, opportunities upon opportunities, calling us, pulling us downstream to do good works. We're God's work made for good works. God made us alive. We were dead. He made us alive, even when we were dead. Romans 5 says, at just the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. While we were yet sinners, Christ died. Because he didn't need to die for no alive people or righteous people. He needed to die for the sick, the zombies headed for destruction. This is good news. And he closes this section by reminding us that we're in the new stream, in Christ, full of life. There's another way beyond the way of the world. And by grace, we're called to turn around and be swept up in his life. Don't turn back. God, you are full of grace. You have raised us in new life so we can walk fully alive with you in Christ. We pray that this good news would be seared on our hearts, our minds, because we are too aware of how dead we feel. We are all too aware of the mess of the world. So Lord, in the name of Jesus, I pray hope over us as a church. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I pray peace in our minds that we would test the spirits that work in this world. We would test our thoughts, our inner workings of our minds, in order that we would let them float down that lazy river stream because they are nothing but reminders of how dead we once were. Would your Holy Spirit bring to mind more and more the immeasurable riches of Abba's grace? lavished on us in Christ Jesus. May we be fully alive in Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.